uh, first of all, thank you very much for allowing me uh, this opportunity to come and to share uh, with you here in this wonderful church, family church. This is the first time I've walked in, and uh, it is an absolutely awesome building. And uh, you know, God bless you as you build the kingdom here. We are the new kids on the block, and having now just heard from you, I realize that uh, this is the big test. Do we look after this guy? Or do we arrange his demise? You know, this is, I thought it was a privilege, but actually it's a test uh, to see if we're doing all right uh, in here. My name is Paul, and as uh, Hugh said, I'm the pastor of City Church in Winchester. Uh, I came uh, up from Kent, uh, which is down near the coastway, getting close towards France. Um, I was born in Germany and started off in a German school. Uh, I was educated in Oxford, where they tried to make me speak very posh. My parents are very Kentish, so they speak like that, um, although not necessarily all the way like that. And uh, then I left home and I went and lived with some South Africans for a little while. So every now and then you might hear some weird old mixed up accent. But I'm English. All right? I am English. And I'm proud to be English. I'm glad to be here. About 20 months ago now, uh, my wife Siobhan and I, along with our two girls, moved into Winchester. Uh, Winchester, we heard, is one of the most desirable places to come and live. And uh, we were quite amused having moved up from a Sittingbourne where things are maybe just a tad rougher uh, than they are here. Um, there was this guy riding a skateboard with his hoodie on. And we thought, oh, they've got these kind of hoodie-type people. And he dropped his rubbish and stopped and got off his skateboard, picked the rubbish up and went and put it in a bin. Uh, and we were like, man, this is a good place to live. Even the hoodie guys put their rubbish in the bin. What a blessing it is to come here to Winchester. When I first came here, we were uh, very quickly embraced by the guys of Mission Winchester, and we were made to feel really welcome, and it was really good. And then I started to wonder why God had brought me here uh, when they started to tell me about all the things that go on here in Winchester, and it seems like every church was running alpha courses everywhere, and uh, there was a healing on the streets going on, and there were various conferencings going on, and there were these massive churches, Church of England churches, New Frontiers churches, Vineyard churches. It was all happening, and I thought, man, it's just little old me. God, what did you bring me here for? But as I sat and I looked around, and I started to get to know the hearts of the churches here, the one thing I started to sense, which I'd never ever sensed in any place that I'd been before ministering in churches, is that we were all colleagues in a battle for Jesus Christ. We were not competitors against each other. And there was this wonderful sense of unity amongst the churches. And it just reminded me of Psalm 133, where God and the words David brings out this psalm and he says, what a wonderful place it is where God's people dwell together in unity, where their purposes are the same, their hearts are the same, because there in that place I will command my blessings. And Lord, I thought you brought me here to this place just so that I can be blessed. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're on a journey and we're going to be blessed. And as I sat and I looked at these things, I thought, Lord, what could I say to such a people as this? And inside my belly, I felt this phrase come out, that said, well done, well done. Everybody wants to hear that, well done. You've done a good job. 
the, the power of God has been moving in this land. It's been moving in Winchester. But listen, it's not over yet. Praise God. And then I thought, this is why I'm also brought here. When I was asked to speak here this evening, I, I immediately thought to myself, no. Um, I, I thought, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but then I kind of got down and I started to pray. And I felt that the Lord gave me a message for us this evening. I believe that God started to speak to me about the fact that within the Winchester area, everybody has been seriously busy. You've all been working seriously hard. That people have been getting into stuff and it's been a hard, hard journey. And you've all done really well and you've got the big well done. But I got this sense that people are starting to feel tired. People are starting to feel a bit worn down. People are starting to feel a little bit discouraged in many areas. And maybe some people are feeling that maybe there's something easier than this that we could do. And they might feel that they might just want to throw in the towel and just say, hey, I've done my bit. I've done my bit. Many of you have invested so much over the years before. Many of you have invested huge amounts of money into some of these massive things that have gone on. You've spent time and energy and resources on uh, people You've expended what you could have done watching telly or playing sport and you've given it to kingdom building. And as you've done all of these things, you've got to a place where you're saying to yourself in that business-minded line, has the return on the investment been good? Has the return on the investment been good? We have that sense, and I had that sense that God was saying, we want to encourage the people to build them up. You've invested much. And God is still with you. Discouragement can come to any one of us at any time. None of us are immune from discouragement. None of us are immune from getting tired. We all experience this at times. We all get that sense of... But sometimes we get that place where we want to quit out. But I say, I want to encourage you this evening. I want to let you know this, is that the best is yet to come. The return on your investment is going to produce a yield that is greater than you ever hoped for. That God is about His business of building the church which He said is going to be strong and powerful and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we've got to understand that what we've invested, God has taken and put on your account. And He's put it on store. And I want to say that God is going to do this because He is a faithful God. And when He looks on His faithful people, He commands His blessing, which is where we started off at the beginning of this talk. God is saying this, I believe. Children of Winchester, a new season is about to begin. And he wants you to be encouraged in what you have done. And this evening I want to take a little bit of a wander through the life of Elijah, that 9th ninth century BC prophet. And we can find some practical, amazingly practical demonstrations of how God is able to lead us from this state of discouragement, this state of having not done it all, to a place where we go, come on, there's more and the best is yet to come. I hope you don't mind, but when I start thinking about what God is going to do, occasionally, as the people at City Church know, I can get a bit excited and I get a bit loud. God is about to do something amazing, I believe. And I believe that he wants to bless us even more than we've ever known before. Are you guys up for that? I'm sure you are. I titled the talk this evening, Out of the Embers. And tonight I want us to just kind of work through a little bit through 1 Kings and chapter 17 uh, to, verse, to chapter 19. We're not going to do all of it, so don't panic. 
I've been told how much time I've got, and I've told that people carry bricks, so I understand that time is limited. But we're going to be working through. But to start off with, my, uh, my, my key passage I want us to look at is 1 Kings and chapter 19 and verses 1 to 10. And if you'd like to turn that up, if you've got your Bibles with you, it says this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I once heard a story about a man who was sitting in his pub. He was the new landlord of the pub. And uh, he was sitting there and a customer walked in. And the customer got talking to this new landlord. And he said to him, he said, Hey, I said, uh, what were you doing before you became a landlord? And the guy, a little bit embarrassed, said, uh, Well, I used to be the minister of a church. And so this uh, customer said, well, how come you would give up such a job uh, in order to become a publican? And so the guy started to explain. He said, uh, well, he said, when I ran the church, he said, I was always busy. He said, I was organizing conferences everywhere. He said, I was organizing all the youth work everywhere. I was getting all these people coming around to telling me all their stories, and I was trying to make everything right for them. He said, I was trying to get people to turn up to things that I'd put on. He said, and then once I got them to turn up, I was trying to get them to turn up on time. And he said, and then there was always that mad rush to leave the building, and I was trying to encourage him to stay. And it was just such hard work. He said, whereas here in this pub, it's great. He said, I don't advertise anything. He said, people just want to come along. He said, I don't have to encourage them to come early. He said, they're standing at the door when I open it up. And he said, and when it comes to actually leaving, he said, I have to ring a bell and ask them to go to get them out here. He said, it's much easier to be in this place. Sometimes we get to a place where we can feel tired and worn down and broken. Sometimes we feel that maybe something would be a little bit easier. But Elijah was a man who knew God and he knew that he was tired. Elijah was a Tishbite. He was from Gilead, the north side of Palestine, just east of the River Jordan. And God had called him to go and be a prophet to the people of Israel during a time of great crisis. King Ahab at that time had chosen to marry a foreigner, Jezebel, and she had brought with her all her priests for Baal and Asherah, and she just took on this heart to try to destroy the worship of Yahweh, the true God, and try and make everybody worship these Baal and Asherah. And she was going about killing all the prophets and forcing people 
to turn away from God. And it was into this time of apostasy that God called Elijah to go and confront King Ahab. And you know the story where in 1 Kings 17, starting at verse 1, uh, Elijah turns up and tries to present some of his credentials and tries to present to Ahab the reason there is going to be a need for change because of the sin in this land. And very boldly, Elijah says to Ahab, from this time on, until I say again, there will be no rain or dew over the next few years. And then he left and went off on his way. And as he left and he went on his way, God used this man. And it says that he was taken out into the desert area and he went and he found a river and God provided him water and he caused the ravens to come and feed him and he understood and he learned this lesson that God is able to provide all my needs. And then God took him from there when the river dried up and he took him out and he found this widow woman who was at the end of her tether. And he said to her, hey lady, give me a drink. And she said, yeah, I'll give you a drink. And he said, can you make me a cake? I mean, that's bold, isn't it? When you have to ask for your own cakes when you've arrived at somebody's house. And she says, you're having a laugh, mate. She says, I've only got so much bread. And listen, we're going to take that bread, a little bit of oil, and we're just going to make ourselves, me and my son, and we're going to eat that and then we'll die. And Elijah says, no, it's not going to be like that at all. God's going to look after you. And through this experience, Elijah understood that God is able to use us as simple people to get involved in other people's lives and to make a difference to them in their lives as well. And then through the miraculous hand of God, Elijah was able to restore the life of her son, letting Elijah know that God is the God of the impossible. And even death cannot hold anyone when God is involved. God is a victorious God and he's able to take him through. And then, of course, it then leads all the way through to this penultimate battle that was on the loom where Elijah was going to go and take on the prophets of Baal and of Asherah. He was going to go and have this major, major battle, just him and 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And in 1 Kings 18 and 23, 24, you've got this whole proposition laid out by Elijah where he says, go get two bulls. You choose one of your choice. Make yourself an altar. I'll have the other one. I'll make myself an altar. Big battle. God's going to burn it all up. And the one who does is God in Israel. And we all know that story. And amazingly, all the other guys that were there, all the Baalites and Asherites, all turned around and said, hey, good plan. Let's do it. And we know that this big battle commenced and... uh, Elijah stood and he watched these guys from the Baal prophets and the Shirah going around whipping themselves and beating themselves and cutting them up. And you could almost see uh, Elijah starting to chuckle in his belly. Because <laughs> I know who the true and living God is. Because you know what I've been through so far? <laughs> Keep going. And he starts to taunt them. He says, maybe he's on holiday. Maybe he's stuck in some storm cloud on some airplane so he can't make it back for tonight. You know, best you keep shouting and keep praying. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's got a lot on. And they started to cut themselves and all this stuff. And, you know, he was really getting into it. And anyway, at the end of the day, nothing happened, as we know. And then Elijah, this man of God, turns around and just uh, gets on his knees and he prays this in 1 Kings 18. He says, Lord God, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel. Let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done the things that you've commanded. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. What a promise. 
that sometimes we have to go through these hard battles to present God. We have to go through this time of work and energy. Anyway, we discover that immediately, bam, the fire falls from heaven. Suddenly, God breaks through. And he comes down. And it's not like the Bunsen burner flame that turns up. We're talking about a big flame. You know, the kind of flame that everybody goes, whoa. It reminds me of a time when I decided I was going to have a barbecue and it just would not light. Did you ever have those times? And you think, I'll get the barbecue lighter fuel and find there isn't any. And so you do find that you have got half a can of petrol. And you think, this is going to be good. This will light it. So you put this little bit of petrol on it. You don't think it was too much. And you go up close. And if you notice, I've got no eyebrows. It's, they never came back. I lit this thing. Poof! And it was like this kind of boom Elijah fire that exploded out. And it took the meat, it took the stones, it took the water, it took everything. It was all gone. Because our God is an all-consuming God. He doesn't mess around. He comes in and He changes everything. All that we thought was there, He's able to break through. And He's able to make it different. I believe that God wants you to hear this message this evening. Listen, God is wanting to make something different and to break through in our lives. Having done all of these amazing things, you would think that Elijah would be saying to himself, that was good enough. God is God in heaven. Look at the evidence of that. But Elijah's a bit on a roll. And don't we get that like sometimes? You know, where the Spirit of God has just started to do something. And when he's finished doing his something, we say, let's carry on anyway. And he immediately rushes around. He says, get all those prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he gathered them all and he killed them all right there and then. Oh, he was right up for it. And then he went off and then it was the time for the rain to come because he'd won that victory and he put his head between his knees and he prayed and we know the story of the cloud and the rain started to come and uh, uh, they, they, whatever his name was, he shot off at zero. He, he shot off, the king Ahaz shot off on his chariot and Elijah just came running past. You could imagine that surprise when the man of God is caught up with such strength that he can make our feet run. And he went right past, waving as he went. Ahab gets back to Jezebel, tells her all the good news. Oh, by the way, he killed all your prophets. He proved that God is God in Israel. You're messed up. Elijah thinks to himself, we've won the victory. It's all done. Whoa! And Jezebel thinks to herself, what kind of bloke is that that would mess with my thing? She just sees it as a skirmish. And so she issues out this threat to Elijah. I'm going to kill you and make you like just those prophets you killed. And amazingly, Elijah, being tired and drawn, suddenly becomes fearful. And it says that he starts to run away. Sometimes we can be like that when we've been active and we've worked hard. We feel like we put in everything and we're doing all right. And then something comes along that just seems to be one thing too much. And we feel that we want to run away. And so Elijah starts legging it. He's scared. He's afraid. And he runs along and it says that he finds this bush or in some translations an Asherah tree. And he sits underneath it. And as I looked at this, I thought that can be so much like us. You know, when the going gets tough, We run and we try and find some other kind of covering. Something else that will kind of give us some shade. Something else that will give us something that we'll do. 
But even when we run away, God knows who we are. And He knows where we're at. And He loves us and He cares for us. And He comes up to us as we sit in this place. And He says, what's happening? Elijah turns around and he says, Lord, I've had enough. Verse 4. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than any of my ancestors. The question for you tonight is, have you been feeling in that place? Maybe you're feeling a little bit in that place right now where you think, Lord, I've, surely I've done enough. Surely I've done enough. Take my life. Let it happen. It can be an easy place to get to when we've been battling hard, when we're hoping for things, we're standing in faith for stuff to happen. But God lovingly comes along beside us and He encourages us and He starts to cause a breeze that starts to work on the embers of our tiredness and our brokenness. And He starts to spring back into life the fire out of the smoldering embers that are there. God promises he won't snuff out a smoldering wick, but he will restore it back into a flame. And this is what happened with Elijah. God came alongside him. And Elijah and we need to recognize some things here that take us to that place where we become exhausted. The number one that I got down was that Elijah had spent himself out physically and emotionally and spiritually in service to God, which is commendable, except when you're doing it in your own strength. And instead of allowing yourself just to be a channel for God to work through, we start trying to take things a bit further and start working them in our own, in, in our own strength. Elijah had already set an end-game plan. He thought that the final battle was going to be the final battle. But it wasn't. It just became a starting point for something new. So he was disappointed. Elijah had set the standards of himself by comparing himself with other people. When he turned around, he said, I'm no better than my ancestors, my fathers. God doesn't want us to compare ourselves against anybody else. He wants to compare ourselves to how we're doing with what God's called us to be. And you may think that what you're doing is very insignificant, but I've got to tell you that your insignificant feelings are wrong because even in the small things, you are a significant person to God. And if we can do really well in the small things, God says that when you've been faithful in the small things, He will cause you to rise and become doers of great things. We don't need to compare ourselves against other people. Elijah saw himself as the only one. I'm the only one left. He completely forgot about the hundred prophets that were hidden in the hills by Obadiah. He wasn't on his own, but he just took it on himself that it's my responsibility. And we need to be very careful thinking it's just down to me. Because the promise is this, God has set us in families. He's made us to be part of a body. And every part of the body is important. And we all look after each other. We're not the only one. We're one of a gang. And we're all in God's gang. And God is going to be the head of that gang. And He's going to look after us. We're not the only one. And finally, Elijah lost hope for the future. He thought his life was at an end. And the Bible says that a people who have no vision perish. A people who lose where God's taken them to stop running. We've got to keep a good vision that God, who's begun a good thing in us, will bring us through to a time of completion. And He will strengthen us and restore us. 
So how does God want to lift us up and prepare us for this new season ahead? I took just three aspects from this reading in 1 Kings 19. The first one in verse 5, it says, All at once God, uh, angel touched him, touched Elijah and said, Get up and eat. There's something actually very sensible about being looked after physically. I know when you look at me, you can see that I spend many hours down the gym and trimming myself up, but maybe not. <laughs> but we need to look after ourselves physically. God made us. He designed you. And he says, look after yourself. You see, one of the quickest ways to get burnt out is to actually stop looking after yourself. And the greatest gift you can give to the body of Christ in which you are serving is the best you that you can be. The fit, healthy, well-fed, up-for-it person. Not the burnt-out, tired, fed-up, overweight, sad, miserable person. You're not a good example. You know when you walk up and you say to the people, can I tell you about Jesus? And they look at you up and down and they say, I've got enough problems already, man. We've got to be someone who's able to stand strong because we are fit in Christ. We have been looked after. He wants, God wants to come in and He wants to get us to be in a place where physically we are well. And He restores us. And when we're feeling tired, and it's good to hear these guys going away on their sabbatical. They're going to go away and, do you know, when they go on the sabbatical, they always set side away for the gym and uh, healthy eating and massages. It's part of being on a sabbatical. It's great. I'm looking forward to my first one. And... Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a good thing. But you know, we need to look after ourselves. The second thing that I've got in there is that God wants us to start looking again at what His provision has been. Because what God has done, He is able to do again. And we find in uh, verse 6, it says that He caused uh, Elijah to look around and there by His head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals. Do you know, God has already put in place all that you need for your provision. But sometimes we have to look around. We have to stop looking in at ourselves. We stop having to look at ourselves and say, man, it's so bad, it's so broken, I'm so fed up. We have to turn around and say, listen, I see what God has done and I'm believing for what God is going to do. I know where he's been at and I know what he's going to do with me. And I know that he's going to provide my need according to his riches in glory, as it says in Philippians 4.19. He just wants you to know that his provision is already in place. He's already there, but he challenges you and says, will you look around and see what I've got in store for you? We need to start looking with some fresh eyes for some fresh things that God is looking to do for us. We need to become a people who start to rise up with songs of thanksgiving and the worship was great this evening. But we need to be a people who constantly, in everything, are worshipping God and giving Him thanks and praise. We're not going around saying, Lord, I want to say thank you for my broken leg. We're saying, Lord, I thank you that in spite of my broken leg, you are still Lord. And you're going to take me through this time. We're not praising him for what we've got. We're praising him for the victory through what we've got. He's leading us through and taking us out the other side. His provision is already in there. And finally, God wants to meet with our spiritual needs. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And when the disciples, going to the New Testament, when the disciples who had been walking with Jesus discovered that this great Messiah who was going to make a great change 
has ascended into heaven, and at this moment in time, nothing seems to be very different. Jesus said to them, go and wait in the city and wait for the gift that God has got for you. And they stood in the city and they waited. And we are told that there was the sound like mighty rushing wind and there was like flames of fire came and fell. And they were empowered again for the task. And so out of their sadness, out of their brokenness, out of that sense of loss, suddenly they rose up And they suddenly realized that in Christ Jesus, something brand new has been released. Something amazing was going on. They are suddenly a new people. They were suddenly empowered. The broken down Peter, who was scared to say anything when they said, are you with Jesus? Is suddenly the courageous one that says, that Christ who you crucified, he is alive. You see, when the spirit in us starts to get refreshed and restored, suddenly we become the people that God called us to be. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God that is able to work through us. Elijah went and stood in the presence of God. It said, go to Mount uh, Horeb and stand there by the cave. And it talks about the fact that first of all came this amazing wind, this great blowing strength, It was like a sign of the coming of the Lord. It was a declaration of the power. And then there was this awesome thunderstorm. Not thunderstorm, this awesome earthquake. That's the one. I knew it was something bad. There was this earthquake that rumbled, just declaring, again, the awesome power of God, that He is sovereign over all. But in all these things that were going on, the fire that came past, that cleansing fire, We're told that it was not in those things where God was at. They were just preceders. But the presence of God came in stillness, in the gentleness. And in that silent whisper where the presence of God was, where those words that said, you are my child, you are under my wing, I care for you, these words that were able to be said, that gentleness that restored Elijah to say, I am still a child of God. The man was restored and refreshed and he was ready to take on the new season. And what do I believe this new season is that we're called to? Really out of 1 Kings 19 verses 15 and 16, it says this, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came Go to the desert of Damascus and when you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram. Also anoint Yehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, to succeed you as prophets. Why weren't they English? I believe that the season that God is calling us to, as we stand in this time of restoration and preparation for great things. I believe that the next season that God is calling us into as a people in Winchester is a season of anointing, a season of appointing, and a season of harvesting from all of the investment and the activities that have been involved over the last year. I see this as a season that is coming that is going to be a season of spirit-empowered activity. 
I believe that we will start to see the power of God being released on his church in a brand new way, where we will start to see miracles, signs and wonders beyond anything we've seen before. I believe that we will start to see people being added to us in the unprecedented numbers. And I believe that this is going to happen because where the seeding has been done, you will get a harvest because it is the Lord who will water and produce the crop. And in Winchester, a good seeding has been done over the years. And as we come to this time now, the word of the Lord is don't give up, get prepared, get restored, start to know the person of the Spirit of God so that you can be, as Paul would say, start forgetting what was behind and start pressing on to the goal that is ahead, that as we are restored in the king's business, not giving up, we can step into these brand new things, this new season.